Today, weirdos, there's no Halloween facts. Nope. No creepy cryptids. Uh-uh. Just scary stories. Oh, yeah. This, this is Is It Weird? Halloween edition. Sorry skeletons, you're so misunderstood You only want to socialize But I don't think we should Welcome to Is It Weird Podcast, Halloween edition I am your host, Ron. I am joined by Matt Like every week, how are you doing, buddy? What's up, weirdos? I am great this is a special bonus episode. We told you we'd release on Halloween, so if you're hearing this when it first comes out, it's coming out at midnight. If not, it came out at midnight. And I appreciate you listening. Go ahead. You know, go ahead and appreciate you listening to it. Today, guys, though, we're not asking any questions besides are you scared now? So our first story, Matt, is uh, titled basically for anyone with loud upstairs neighbors. My sister and I were staying at an old historic motel in the middle of nowhere, Montana. The building had been in use since the 1800s. My sister loves this place and has frequented it many times over the years. I was kept up all night by someone pacing around on the hardwood floors in the room above ours. Drove me crazy. In the morning, I asked my sister how she could sleep through it, and she told me that the upstairs of the building used to be a ballroom, but now it's carpeted and empty. The hotel staff confirmed that nobody was up there. Furthermore, if they were, I wouldn't have heard heels on the hardwood floor. So our next story comes from writer and editor Brad Culp. He's titled this one, The Ghost of Oxford Milford Road. So when Brad Culp was a student at Miami, Uni- Miami University in Oxford, Ohio, excuse me, there was a rumor that the town was one of the most haunted places in America. When Culp started an on-campus magazine, he couldn't wait to write about several of the area's most famous phantoms. But not long after his story published, though, he kept finding himself thinking about one ghost in particular. The ghost of Oxford Milford Road. So as the story goes, many decades ago, probably sometime in the 1940s, there was a young man courting a young woman in a rural part of town. But because this woman's parents didn't approve of the match, each night he visited her under the cover of darkness. After her parents went to bed, the young woman would sneak out of the farmhouse and flash the lights of her parents' car three times. Then her young suitor would ride his motorcycle down the road. He a James Dean type motherfucker. Straight up. One night he took a right turn before her house a little too sharp, says Colt. The motorcycle went one way and he went the other. His injuries were so severe that he did not survive, but rumor has it, however, that his love-struck ghost still haunts the stretch of Milford Road. There's a lot of stories out there like that, too. This reminds me of a song from the 50s by uh, Dion, 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 where he Dion. wrecks his car. Yeah, Dion, he takes and he's like, uh, basically it's a car wreck and it, it, it kills his girlfriend and the whole song's about that. But yeah. Oh, where, oh, where can my yeah. baby, baby be? Uh, that song, okay. Remade by uh, Pearl Jam. No one ever make it better. Oh, man. Eddie Vedder's the man. No, I mean, it, the original's way better. But oh. Pearl Jam's is good, too, yeah. So anyway, Curious, Colt, his girlfriend, now wife, and a friend decided to head out there one night to see if they could verify the tale. His girlfriend was worried she'd be completely freaked out. 
She's, she believes more in the stuff than I do, Cole says. But was mostly concerned that his suspicions that none of this was actually true would be confirmed. On this particular night, Colt passed the abandoned farm. An idea came to him, and he pitched it to his girlfriend. How could you not say yes, obviously? Obviously. Though reluctant, she relented, and Colt turned into the farmhouse driveway. He killed the engine and flashed his lights three times. No joke. There was a single headlight that appeared three-quarters of a mile down the road. Oh, damn. You saw it start to come down, going pretty slow at first, and then it kept coming. My wife was freaking out. It was coming closer and closer. As his collision seemed imminent, Colt turned on his car headlights and expected to see a kid on a bike bailing out from his prank now that he'd been caught. Yeah. But there was nothing there. The light was just gone, he says. Ooh. Getting kind of creepy. Yeah. They got out of the car. They walked around trying to figure out what was going on as they could have seen. And to this day, we still think about it. I saw something I cannot explain, he says. If you get him and his wife around a campfire, they'll swear up and down to that story. And if you're ever in Oxford, Ohio, Sam Grant, consider parking for just a few minutes on Oxford Milford Road at night just to test your own nerve. Okay, so if I'm not mistaken, a dude on a motorcycle basically wrecked and died, correct? Correct. Was his girlfriend with her with him? No, she was the one flashing her lights in the driveway. She was trying to get him oh, to him that the coast was clear. And it blinded him, basically. Well, no, it, I think he just hurt, took the turn too sharp. I see that now, okay. And his injury says he did not survive. So I now suppose. the love struck man haunts the fucking road. On a fucking motorcycle, man. That would be, that would, that's like kind of like a ghost rider sort of deal. Yeah. Well, I mean, in more layman's terms. Right. After a long two days on the road, we drove down a steep driveway towards a secluded mill cottage. The water wheel sat static along the stone house. There was a deep cellar with stone stairs down under the wheel next to the house, and a small river circled the place. No, but that was, yeah, that was one of the weird moments of my life I just now remembered. Oh, that's crazy, man. Yeah. Oh, man. That would freak me the fuck out, I think. Yeah, like, I mean, and it could have just been like a dream, you know, mm-hmm. that too. I'm not, because I never seen, I never saw anything else in that house, so... Yeah. It's easily could just been a you know, a little kid thing. Yeah, could be. Mm-hmm. So our next story comes from uh Drew Tabke. He's a professional skier. Ooh. And it's called the Ghost of La Parva Ski Resort. Now this week. Okay, okay, okay. So throughout Latin America you'll hear variations of the story of La Lorna. That movie is or so the Wailing f- Woman. Have you watched that movie? I haven't. Oh my god. Recommend it. Go ahead. Sometimes she's lost her husband. Sometimes she's lost her children. Sometimes it's both. But in La Parva, a ski ski spot in the Chilean Andes, that's where all them soccer players ate each other. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or maybe that was the Argentinian Andes, but whatever. Either way. I don't even know if the Andes are in Argentina. but I don't either. Anyway. The wailing woman is named Lola, and everyone swears they knew her before she died. A local restaurant owner said he dated her. Pro skier Drew Tabke says, adding that the ski patroller he heard the story from pointed at the exact hut where this tale takes place. Okay. So this sounds like it comes like from first-hand witnesses. Mm-hmm. So the story starts on a nice day in peak ski season. Lola and her young son plan to spend the day on the slopes, as can happen in the Andes. A thick fog rose up from the valley, which precedes the arrival of a real storm. 
I don't know if you've spent any time in the mountains, but yeah, mountain storms ain't no fucking fun, dude. We have different mountains over here. Ours are very are older, so it's not as mm-hmm. not there's there's not really what's uh there's not peaks. a lot of uh, elevation and peaks over here, yeah. So yeah, any any time you're in the mountains, man, pay attention to the fucking weather. That shit could turn on a dime. Well, I plan be, on never going to the fucking mountains, so. Well, it could be in the middle of the summer, and you could have rain, and then the next thing it's sleet, and then the next thing it's fucking two foot of snow. The clouds enveloped as two as the two were making their way down from the top of the mountain, and they lost contact with one another. Desperate to find her son, Lola began screaming his name as she ran through the thick bog. Unable to see clearly, though, she stumbled down a steep slope and began sliding toward a rocky collar. Uh, I should just say fucking cliff. Yeah. By chance, a local lift operator who was returning to his cabin came across her body. Mm. He was afraid she was dead, but on closer inspection, he found she was still alive, just barely. Her body was covered in lacerations from sharp rocks, and the only word she said in the faintest whisper was her son's name. Lift. The lift operator worked carefully to pull her body to his cabin, which was just up the hill. He bandaged her cuts as best he could and then ran to fetch the doctor. The doctor and the lift operator made their way back to his hut, the fog hanging thickly in the air. When they arrived, though, the bed was empty, just the bloody sheets remained. Mm. Neither the woman nor her son were ever found, Tabby says, but locals report hearing her wail for for her child whenever they're near that lift operator's cabin. Here's the thing. Tapke does not believe in ghosts. Something, however, changes when he arrives in Chile each winter. Maybe it's the fact that Arva, you can see up to Cerro El Pomo, an Incan child sacrifice site. Well, that's both creepy. Yeah. Maybe because Tapke has simply read so many magical realism books by other authors like Juan Rufio and Gabriel Garcia Marquez. But sitting alone in his cabin in the Andes with the wind whipping and the candles flickering, he swears that every now and again, he can just—he just can't tell what if he's hearing the woman or the wind. Okay, so this is creepy. Yeah. Guarantee that she, when he went to go fetch the doctor, she went out to go find her son because she came to. And I yeah. get that. Oh yeah, absolutely. But, yeah. Same thing. No matter but, how fucked up I was. But the fact. That is so close that old Incan child sacrifice site makes it extra creepy. Wendigos grabbed him, dude. Yeah. Oh my. And we uh, we have a win, sort of a Wendigo story for you here in a minute, weirdos. Fucking sweet. Um, well, it's you. Oh. Your grandma's story. Well, yeah, I guess it could be a Wendigo. First thing I thought when I heard it. Uh, but yeah, with well, this one, though, fucking two and two together. Yep. But this one, man, it's just it's, it's like, how old was the kid? Did it say? No, it didn't say. Okay, so was her young son? So I'm, I'm guessing he's probably teenager age. That's what I'm guessing. Because if he was even younger, she shouldn't have had him without fucking fingertip away in that kind of weather. I don't imagine. Yeah, she had a fucking rope on him. Mm-hmm. Man, that sucks. Imagine losing your fucking kid. I couldn't even imagine it. I don't even God, now, but I don't want to imagine it. That would, dude. That's fuck. That's the worst fear. That would haunt me for the rest of my life. No doubt. Oh God. Yeah, but definitely, I'm guaranteed if this story is true, what she does did was she went to go find her son, and then she just got lost in the wilderness, basically. Yeah. And she could have been eaten by a predator, eat, whatever, ate, whatever, by a predator, and, you know, stuff like that. So it's it's hard to tell, but that's fucking creepy. Yeah, no shit. Damn, that was a good one. Yeah, it was a good one. All right, weirdos, as this Halloween edition continues on, 
this next part is pre-recorded. Uh, Matt was able to interview his grandma, and I'll let you tell a little bit more about it real quick before we get to it. So she used to tell this story when we were growing up about uh, Spook Hollow. And Spook Hollow is in uh, Weld County, Colorado, LaSalle, Greeley area. Um, so she would always tell this story as when we were kids or whatever, and it always kind of stuck with me. And there was parts that I forgot about. And I, I actually had the ability to record a little conversation with my grandma about this story. And also I found out why I have an irrational fear of werewolves. Oh, no, I so love that. That also comes out in the interview. So without further ado, I'd like to call this one an interview with a grandma. Hey grandma, how you doing? I'm fine, Matt. Um, we were talking about scary stories that you wanted to hear when you were a kid. Yeah, I'm kind of excited um, that uh, that you told you told me about my irrational fear of werewolves, which kind of made me chuckle because uh, just recently I had a bout of sleep paralysis. You ever had that? Yeah, well, no, but you, I've heard about them. So basically, I I fell asleep watching this werewolf movie the other night, and I get my my love of horror movies and stuff from you. Because you like mm-hmm. Stephen King, you know, and we used to watch Stephen King movies together and all that. I always mm-hmm. thought it came from Silver Bullet. But apparently it comes from a fucking windbreaker and a dog on a chair in the deck. Yeah, <laughs> that's so where it came from. I was, I was telling the story to, to Ron, which is my, my co-host. Um, and he thinks it's super, super funny that I have a fear of werewolves, but... Like, for the longest time, I thought it was, like, Silver Bullet that did it to me. And then mm-hmm. you tell me this story just the other night, and it, it cracked me up. I mean, I sat there and laughed for probably 20 minutes about it. Mm-hmm. But well, so, you were just five years old. I'm sorry, you were five years old, so you wouldn't have remembered it. So. Right. So we, uh, we used to live in Grandma's basement, and apparently there was a window that you could see outside from the basement, right? Right. Like an egress window or something, and there was a deck out front. Right. Or I guess that would be the back technically, but, mm-hmm. um, so apparently there was a dog on a, on a deck chair or something on a piece of yard furniture and there was a mm-hmm. coat there. So I thought it was a werewolf. Right. <laughs> yeah. His head just reached over his head, just reached over the top of the chair and that, uh, that coat was covered over the chair, just like the the, the shoulders of a chair, you know, like the shoulders of a coat. And you've seen that, and so naturally, that would look like a head of a werewolf. So at your age, you thought that was that was a werewolf because you'd seen it. The, the mind of a child. The top of, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So that that was your image of what you always thought that was the werewolf. So, that's As funny. Five year old, you did. Yeah, you were hollering, Grandma, Grandma, come down here. There's a werewolf in the basement here. So, and we never ever related you to that, Matt. So we had no idea that that stuck with you all those years. Well, I I didn't either. Um, for the longest time, I mean, I didn't, I didn't really have a fear of them for mm-hmm. such a long period of time, and then it started like when I first moved out on my own. I think maybe. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, anyway, so you used to tell this scary story when I was growing up, and it always stuck in my head, and I think I had one of Mom's confused with yours, so I'd, I'd like to 
I'd like to get your side of your story. Mm-hmm. Well, there's this place uh, around uh, like LaSalle, Colorado, and it's called uh, Spook Hollow. And it's a or hollow. It's a place that was a, uh, a sand pit. And it had grown into where they had someplace down there, they had a bunch of old buildings. Like uh, there was a shack, and then there was a bunch of other shacks. And there was a bunch of, uh, there was kind of like a, a uh, Oh, I guess you would call it a river or swampy place down there that grew up. And there was a bunch of trees and stuff. And so the shack had uh, bums would used to kind of go down in there and okay. they would uh, live, down, live down in there. So the kids would used to go down there and just kind of scare each other, like, you know, go down there and tell scary stories and scare each other. So one day we were just sitting there watching the fire department we used to run races and stuff. And so these kids come running and they said, Judy, Judy, you and Charlotte, which is my sister, you've got to come. We saw we saw this monster down there. You've got to come. We've seen him. We scared us. So we took off. And we had a dad and pickup. So we loaded the kids in the pickup and we said, well, you got to take something down there because we got to protect ourselves. So we all grabbed bats. <laughs> and uh, so we took bats with us. And this one kid, he was a senior, and he was a big kid, and his name was Rick, Rick Reeves. Well, anyway, he's a big senior kid. He so was, who was know, all there? Uh, oh, there was uh, Charlotte, and Gary went with us. He was hit her, uh, her husband. Well, he decided he wasn't going to go after a while. So I don't know. There was Marcy and, and uh, Rick and a bunch of other kids. I can't remember. Steve Herger, and I don't know who else was there. There was several of them. I oh, okay. about... I don't know how many, but there's probably five or six kids there. So we went down, and Charlotte and I were the only two kind of adults that were there. And so we went down there, and uh, we started down. It was kind of a steep sand sand hill that you had to go down into this valley and stuff. And it was, the frogs started croaking. Oh, it was really getting dark, and it started, they started to croak, you know. And Things then the started to get a little spooky. Was, yeah, it's a really spook, and the sun started going down. It was just getting dark, and, you know, it was getting kind of, uh, oh, dark time, you know, and the trees were getting to where they were casting shadows, and it was getting really dark. And oh, yeah, the witching hour. There. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so anyway, this uh, one shack, it had a broken window, and so... Uh, Rick, he went and started down the hill with his bats and stuff, and all the kids were coming with us, and Charlotte and I were kind of ahead of it. And we got down there, and Rick decided he was going to stick his head in the window. And all of a sudden, he lets out a scream, and he pulls his head out, and all of a sudden, there's blood running down his face. And he's got these scratches on the side of his face, and everybody turns around and starts running up the hill, and his bats start clashing all over the place. And he... The, Kids start running and stuff, and uh, we didn't know what was going on. But anyway, so Charlotte and I, right, sure, right away, we start running, too. And then we get halfway up the hill, and we sit down because, oh, there's, this is silly. There's nothing up there. He must have got scratched by a branch. Right. It can't be anything else. So we turned around, and so we start down the hill. And so we see this reflection in this other building. And so we went over, and there's this mirror. It is in this other building. So we think, oh, we're brave. So we go in this other building and we look. And here this reflection is of this thing that we don't see what it is. But then we get scared. And so we turn around and 
all of a sudden, down in these willows, you know, and stuff, there is this animal that looks like a man, but it looks like it's a half man and a half deer with antlers. And it's going from one tree to another. It's going across and it stands up. And then it goes across another one and it stands up. And there, and so Charlotte and I, we take off and we run up the hill. So that's my spooky story of the half man and the half deer that we, I seen, I scared to death. So we took off when we ran to the fireman place and we tried to get them to come down and look what we seen. But that was a true story that scared me to death. Oh, and that's man. my story. That's my story is Blue Collar. So believe it or not, but I swear I saw something that looked like a half man. And I don't know whether it was what it was, uh, Matt, whether it was, a, <laughs> whether it was a band, whether it was a deer, or whether it was a reflection of that glass. Now, but it's scared. It's scared of. Was, is there, was there any, like, local legends of, like, a half man, half deer creature? Oh, yeah, there was legends of that down there. There was also a legend of some kids that were down there stepping stepping one night, and that animal came up and was knocked, or this person knocked on the door, uh, knocked on the windows, and this uh, uh, kid, this kid, uh, it broke the glass, and, of course, they'd gotten out of there. But that was another story of this big hollow also. Oh, yeah. So, that's, so, anyway... So you you probably heard about this half man half deer thing like when you were growing up, right? Yeah, when I was growing up, yeah, that's uh, Boo Collar had all bunch of stories. There was another one about there was also supposed to be you know like Bigfoot uh-huh. that was supposed to have come across down in there, and people said that they saw uh, not a uh, a big hairy creature that lived down in that area. And that that was what was supposed to be eating that, eating those canned stuff in there, and that people had gone in there and they had seen. And somebody took a um, the stuff that they um, oh do the footprints with, uh-huh. you know that they plaster they casting had cast a footprint of some huge footprints down there. So I know Spook Hollow was supposed to be a really spooky place people want and you know with that it was really a spooky place man yeah i mean i'm surprised i haven't got enough guts to go down there because it was people just so what they did after years they bulldozed that place down oh so people wouldn't keep going down happen. there yeah and also weird things kept happening down there you know just things that uh, yeah i don't i don't think that police department reported a lot of things that happened down there there was a there was also a Oh, you know where you, uh, we, they put silage away in these great big uh, uh, cement places where they pack corn and stuff. Yeah. There were several accidents that happened down there, too, and the police didn't report them. So it was a bad place also. Right. But, well, that's kind of anyway, cool. That, I always, uh, I always did enjoy listening to you guys tell that story when we were growing up. and. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I, I used to, Stephen King's one of my favorite <laughs> authors as well, so... I mean, I think I've yeah, I, I've read almost everything that you've read. Yeah, I I, I thought I was going to get sure. Debbie sent me a book. She was she's going to send me a book, Stephen Clint King, but she sent me a different a different one. It's about the the Indians and uh, a couple books of Indians going out the west and settling. But I I'm going to get his last book. You know, I've read everything in Stephen King's also. But Super fan right I here. Want his last. 
Well, I know you scared the shit out of me quite a bit. And I mean, uh, we used to sit around and watch movies all the time. That was kind of our thing is we would watch, you know, I think. Yeah, sure. You said you. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I think you were the one that I watched Jaws with the first time. Oh, God, yeah. And said you should have turned me into for Kyla Booth with your kids. What's that? She said she should have turned me in with child abuse for you kids. Oh, God. Scaring you. Scaring you kids so bad. But no, I, Grandma, I want to thank you for taking the time to uh, to let me record this and uh, put it on the podcast. Well, I hope that it, I told it right, or I hope that maybe you can, you know, do turn it a little bit different. But that's what I remembered. I tried to tell it the best I could, so. Yeah, so Spook Hollow, and that was always the that was always the one thing that would escape me about the story is the Spook Hollow part. Now I think yeah. it's uh, it's recorded and documented, so I don't think I'll ever uh, I'll ever forget it again. Yeah, well, it was a spooky place, and just not alone me, but a lot of other people have lots of tales to tell about that place. I'm sure. So, all right, well, Grandma, I think day. I want to thank you again. I'll. Uh, I'll stop this recording and then uh, we can talk a little bit more. But uh, I appreciate okay. you and uh, okay. talk to you a little bit more in here in a second. Okay. So that that was a great, great recording, great interview. Uh, what's your grandma's name? Her name is Judy. All right. Well, Judy, thank you so much for providing that. I don't know if you're ever going to listen to this, but just know I am very grateful that you was able to do that for us. That was that was awesome. Oh, no, I'm definitely going to send it to her. Awesome. Great. And uh, I find it hilarious that you was scared of a windbreaker on a rocking chair. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, but for a young kid, I was probably four or five. Now, was the dog on the chair? Is that what she said? Was yeah, there... yeah. Okay, so okay. There was there was a chair sitting outside, and there was either a windbreaker or a coat or something sitting on the chair. Uh-huh. And the dog was sitting in the chair with its head, you know, above the back of the chair, so way, where I could see it with the silhouette of the moonlight. Or, you know, I don't I don't remember seeing it, but, you know, now that now that something is brought back up in my memory, I can remember now that, yeah, I was always afraid of werewolves from that point after. That's that's just that's, that's hilarious. That's how that started. Yeah, it's crazy. Now now maybe I won't have such a such an irrational fear of it. <laughs> and my mom and grandma never thought to connect the dots. Yeah, well, yeah. Now you did, so there we go. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty crazy. Now going on to the second part about the man, the half man, half deer that would jump tree to tree. Now when I mentioned to you earlier that you know kind of a Wendigo thing, that that's when when she first said that I was like. Because in Col- it was in Colorado, correct? Uh-huh. And a lot of Native American stuff around there, too. Exactly. And I'm pretty sure that area is high in Wendigo folklore. So, it possibly is. I haven't, I never, I never thought to connect those dots, too. So, when I, when y'all first, when I first heard it, I was like, wow, that might be what it is. And, you know, again, I'm not going to sit here and say she's, that's what's what she saw, but seeing something of that shape with that many people yeah. jumping, it, that's not a fucking squirrel. Well, especially the kid sticking his head in the little shack and getting his face all scratched up and shit and seeing exactly. the, the cans that were all cut open and jagged and shit. Exactly, dude. That was, but yeah, again, Judy, thank you so much. Love you, Grandma. That was awesome. Thank you. Um, 
Now, mine, I, did, I called, now here's the sad part. I called my dad. I talked to my stepmom. I called my mom. I was, he, my dad was like, why don't you call your aunt? She remembers everything, but I didn't have time to call her due to the time of this recording. Um, but yeah, apparently I was not scared of anything as a child, except for the dark. <laughs> and that stayed true to this day, which is okay. I get it. That, my dad was like, yeah, you've always watched scary movies and stuff. And it's like, you know, your aunt Nora and your aunt Tammy would, you know, sit there and watch Hellraiser. I watched Hellraiser at like four. Oh, yeah. That so, I mean, fun. yeah. So, like, I grew up on this stuff. So, I mean, I'm guessing those files really never scared. I don't know. But uh, the one story my dad. rock a piss in your backyard. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the one story my dad did remind me of, he's, you know, he didn't remember it fully, but it was one of um, his either his aunts or something like that or maybe one of his great-grandmothers something happened back when cameras were not as popular it wasn't like everybody had one it was basically like right. you know you was kind of wealthy correct yeah you a little bit bougie if you had a fucking good camera yeah this is back back in the day so they took a picture of one of the kids it like again i don't know exactly who it was running down a hill and they had that picture for years, years and years. This little girl's in a white dress, black and white photo, no problem. In the back of the photo, you could see the sun up in the corner, basically the shape of it at least. And you could see like where the where the angle of the hill. And there's like a, in the top of the picture, you could see not over the hill, but the top of the fucking hill, like where the sky would meet the grass, basically. So over the years, I had this picture, and it moved from house to house, home to home, family member, family member, and. Surprising enough, like every so many years, like you would like, there's this portion of the picture it kept getting like lighter behind the little girl. Oh, like a like a sunspot or something, or like faded or something. Sort of like a shadow behind oh. the girl, but it was white. It wasn't like a shadow. It was sort of like exactly kind of like a somebody held a flashlight there for years and years and years, like you say, like a sunspot basically. It just kind of yeah. like, you know, but it was in the shape of a human. And years, they don't think nothing of it because it's just sitting in one spot. I'm guessing they might have the same thought. It could have been, a, you know, a sunspot, whatever. Right. But when she died, they got the picture, and it was the shape of an angel, of you know, the typical angel shape behind the girl. Oh, and it, this is when you know she was, yeah, she was creepy when she was older. They found the picture after she already died. That's when they saw it. So I was like, that's a weird sort of premonition kind of weird thing. Yeah, dude, you should see if anybody still has that picture and take a picture of it. I know. I want, like I said, I want to get home on because she was the one that originally told me when I was a kid. I just, I couldn't, I just didn't have the time. It's so unfortunate. Yeah, no worries. But yeah, sometime soon, dude, just fucking yeah. see, if, see if they can't track down that photo and take a picture of it. We'll post it in the show notes or something. Oh, definitely. Now, we do have uh, some listener stories. We have a one that was sent to me on my personal Instagram. Uh, her name's Courtney, and this is freaking hilarious. <laughs> this is not spooky or scary at all. Not to me. Maybe to them at the time. Probably. But Okay, so here's what she said. She goes, it's not that spooky, but I had sex in a cemetery when I was 17 and heard bones that weren't mine. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's scary. It's, it's creepy. What kind of moans were they? <laughs> that's a good. That's a better question. Was it next to a pasture ground where some cattle may have been stored, or it could be some weird dude across the road? Oh yeah, some dude in the bushes, some fucking shrub slut. God. That's... <laughs> well, Courtney, I'm sorry that you uh, t- 
took a leap on having some spooky sex and it got real spooky for you. Hopefully it uh hopefully it scared some sense into you and you got the fuck out of there before uh anything else happened. I hope they fin I hope you finished. I just <laughs> I hope you finished. Now we do have a voice message this week, first time ever. Awesome. And it's from a good friend of ours. Her name is Sam. She was on this podcast with her husband, Grant, and we did the Flat Earth and, um, what was the name? We did Flat Earth and, uh, what's those people's names? Shriners. Shriners. We did the Shriners and being gay. Um, but yeah, so we're going to listen to Sam's message real quick. When I was about 10 or 11, I would sleep in my mom's bed with her a lot because my dad was on the road. So one night we're laying in bed and it's really quiet and all of a sudden her bedroom door kind of like slowly creeps open and then we hear like one or two footsteps. And then at the very foot of the bed we hear this really loud (sighs) and then it just gets real quiet. And then my mom kind of sits up and she goes, did you hear that? And I said, yes. She's like, oh, okay. So then we pack up all of our stuff and we slip up on the couch the rest of the night. Whoa, that's fucking creepy. Yeah. Uh, okay. So laying in bed, you hear a... <sighs> then your mom's like, did you hear that? Yeah, mom. <laughs> yeah, no shit. Fuck Let's get me. the fuck out of here. Come on, what are you doing? Get to the couch. Yeah, that would be fucking so creepy. So creepy. Yeah, no shit. Sam, thank you for sending in the message. Yes. That's, uh, that's awesome that we finally got our first voice message. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. That was uh, that was a good one for this week. Oh, man, that's so creepy. Yeah, it is. Could you imagine it? Hmm. That would just irk my bones. Yeah, I'd be fucking creeped out the whole night. I don't think I'd sleep. So, Sam, thank you. Courtney, thank you. Judy, thank you so much for your stories. Uh, Weirdos, I want to thank you for listening. Matt, thank you for, you know, doing your part in this. Hey, absolutely, man. It was fun. Thank you all for joining us on this very special bonus episode of Is It Weird? We hope everyone has a safe and a happy, fun Halloween. Keep it scary.